early church leader James says this, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. But turn on the TV, do a quick scan of the latest news, or look at the tendency of your own heart, and it is clear to see that we often act in the exact opposite way. Anger comes easily. We speak quickly and carelessly, and the patience to listen and understand is, at times, hard to find. But the challenge of our faith in Jesus remains. In a world where it seems everyone is tearing each other down, we are called to be builders of God's better world. Well, good morning again, friends. Uh, it is good to have you here today. If we have not met, my name is David, and I serve as a senior pastor here. And if you are our guest today, uh, thank you for being here. I hope you have already been blessed uh, by your participation in worship. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to, to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, if you did not bring uh, your own Bible with you today, we have these blue Bibles uh, in the seat pocket in front of you. I encourage you to grab that. You'll find Ephesians 4 here on page 1818 in that blue Bible. I'd also love for you to have handy the bulletin that you received uh, when you came in. On the back of that uh, is the message page, and there's a few uh, areas for you to write some things down. I want to encourage you to do that uh, today as we move through this final message uh, in our series, Be a Builder. Yeah, you've already heard uh, the words from uh, the writer James. Uh, I want to add to that uh, Ephesians 4 verse 29. This is a verse we've looked at each and every week. Uh, it's here on the screen. It's also printed at the top of your message page. I want to invite you uh, to read this with me, if you will. Uh, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That is the calling of our faith. That's the responsibility of those who claim to be followers of Jesus. This is where we started uh, the series uh, several weeks ago with this burden that we bear when we say yes to Jesus, to, for, for the words that come out of our mouths, the words that we speak into the lives of others, to only be those that are helpful for building others up according to their needs. In the second week of this series, we looked at the teaching that precedes this, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about the gift of unity, that what Christ has done for us is not only set us right with God, Christ has set us right with one another. Christ, in the language that Paul uses writing to the Colossians, says Christ has made peace between us. And because Christ has made peace between us, Paul can say, as he does in his letter to the Galatians, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. This is what Jesus has done for us. He has given us this gift of setting aside these artificial boundaries and ways in which we separate ourselves from one another. He has made us one people. And so in response to that, we get to this idea that the words that we speak should be words that preserve the unity that Christ has given to us. And this unity, this, this idea of preserving this unity, we actually have a partner in this process. The Spirit of God works with us in this. This is also what we talked about in the second week, that the Spirit is constantly working to preserve unity and to promote maturity. 
This is what the Spirit of God is doing in your life and in the, li- in, in the life that we share together in the body of believers. The Spirit is always working to preserve unity and to promote maturity. That's what we believe is happening right now. In this place, right now, that the Spirit of God is working in those who have claimed Christ and in the body of believers, the church, to preserve unity and to promote maturity. And then last week, Pastor Johnny added this additional thought as we think about what God does in this process, how God works with us. Uh, he, He said that God's spirit is not unleashed by our greatness, but by our faithfulness, which I I want you to hear. This is good news, isn't it? I mean, this is good news because you've had a moment like I've had in my life where you've shown up somewhere and you've thought to yourself, I have no idea what to say. You ever been there for someone at a, need, at a point of need in their life and you thought, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I, I don't know how to help this person. Some of you may think, well, gosh, I wish the pastor was here because he'd know what to say. No, I wouldn't. Sometimes you just show up, you don't know what to say. But look at this. God's spirit, which is bringing healing and hope and unity, maturity, all these things, it's not unleashed by our greatness. It doesn't depend on these, these incredible words, but it's, it's by our faithfulness. It's by showing up. It's by our faithfulness to be a builder. It's our faithfulness to be consistent, to be present in the lives of others. And you know this because the people in your life who have been builders in your life, you probably can't remember half the things they told you. But you remember they were there, don't you? You remember they were there. You remember that that they were a, a person who was a positive presence in your life. We are called to be builders of God's better world. Well, this is the last message of the series, and, and sometimes you may think, well, or the pastor may think, well, what are we going to talk about? Why did we say this was going to be four weeks? Why, should, why don't we just do three weeks? What are we going to do this last week? Well, that's not this series, okay? We have saved the best for last. I promise you. This is my, this is my guarantee to you, and this is what it's based on. Today, I want to talk about what I expect for many of you has been the question you have wanted to ask at the end of each of the three previous messages. Uh, This is the question that that you have landed on as you've thought about this calling to be a builder. And let me see if I can illustrate what I am willing to bet has happened for you as you have worked through this series uh, with me. Uh, How many of y'all know what this is? This is a view master, okay? Kids, this is a view master. Students over there, this is a, this is This was the original 3D technology right here, okay? This is something everyone should have. If you don't have one of these in your homes, I think you should buy one. If for no other reason than when you are talking to your child or grandchild, your niece or your nephew, and they're complaining because you've taken away their iPad or their phone, you can say, this is as good as it used to get, kid, okay, right here, okay? So for those who don't know what this is, this is a view master. You look through these little, and, and you have these little cards that you put in, okay? And, and you, click this, uh, you click this button right here, and it scrolls through the pictures. And if you've got a quick trigger, you've got a little home movie here, right? Just bam, done. Five seconds of entertainment right there. I mean, what can be better than that? So here's what I'm, I'm guessing has happened for many of you. As you've thought about this calling to be a builder, you have, you've brought up some different images from your life. 
And, and some of those images, uh, those images have corresponded to a name or a face of someone in your life. And, and the first ones that probably came to mind were people who, when you thought about them, you thought, I'd love to be a builder for them. You thought about the people that are depending on you, the people that you love, the people that you want to support in their life, and you thought, well, I want to do that. Maybe you've walked out of here and you thought, I need to do a better job at that. I, I need to do a better job of being a builder in the life of my child, or the life of my spouse, or the life of this close friend who's going through a difficult time. You've thought about it, and you have, not, uh, uh, you have been energized by the idea of being a builder. Or maybe you've thought about the people who've done this for you. You thought about those people who have shown up in your own life, and as you remembered what they had done for you and how much that meant to you, you thought, man, I really want to do better at this. I want to I be a builder. I want to be that, that, the kind of person who helps others live into the dreams that God has for their life. But, but as you've clicked through those people in your life, eventually you've gotten to someone who is not like all the other people that you have thought of before, Right? This is the person who, rather than filling you with excitement about being a builder in their life, you've been filled instead with a sense of dread. Like, oh, I do not want to be a builder in their life. Because this is the person that you just, you just can't see eye to eye with. This is the person who may have spoken a word into your life that was harmful. It may be one that they don't even remember, but you've never forgotten. Or maybe, maybe it's a person in your life who you know you shared a careless word with. But instead of dealing with it, you just kind of swept that under the rug and hoped that it would go away and never fully dealt with what may have been a, a harmful moment or a situation in that, in that relationship. These are the people that don't fill us with excitement when we think about being builders in their life. These are the people that we have had conflict with conflict c-o-n-f-l-i-c-t if you don't know what that is that's how you spell is anybody unfamiliar with conflict here anybody no that's the question how do you be how, how can you be a builder in the midst of conflict that's what this last message is about how can you be a builder in the midst of of conflict. I want you to hear first uh, these words from James. James says, the tongue is a small part of the body. It makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Now, here's what I love about that passage. You may not believe anything else that's in here, but you know these words from James are true, don't you? Because you've experienced the power of words in your life. You've experienced it either in the words that you have heard others spoken to you or words that maybe you have spoken in the lives of others. You know that your words have the power to set the course for someone's life. Maybe you've experienced that in your own life. And you know that your words have the power to either make life feel like heaven or to make life feel like hell. That's the power of words. So how do we build? How do we build through conflict? We're going back to Ephesians 4. We're going back to what we have already looked at. And we are going to listen for the practical wisdom of Paul as he talks about how we maintain 
this commitment to be builders. So look at verse 25 with me. We're going to read through this verse we just read earlier, verse 29. Paul says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Remember what Paul says. This is the gift of Jesus. We are members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. And then we get to verse 29, the scripture you've heard 350 times over the last four weeks. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their need. Three things that Paul talks about here in Ephesians 4 about how we stay committed to the process of building. Here's the first thing Paul talks about. Paul says, put off falsehood. And if you want to put this in maybe a more modern interpretation, you could just write in your notes, you have to stop pretending. Stop pretending. Most of us have some level of aversion to conflict. Which means that if I were to ask you, uh, you have two choices this afternoon, you can either have conflict or do almost anything else. You would say, tell me more about this almost anything else, right? Because most of us don't really like that. We don't really like conflict, especially as it relates to our own personal emotions and feelings. We would rather avoid it, and so that's what we tend to do. Someone hurts our feelings, and what do we say in response? I'm fine. Nothing to see here. No big deal. Don't worry about me. Or we hurt someone else's feelings. We actually want to make it better. And they say, no, no, no. I'm fine. Don't worry. Don't worry about me. Uh, Nothing to see here. We we all know that tendency, right? We know that temptation to, to back away and say, I just don't want to go there. I don't want to deal with that. Here's something that Pastor Jim said this week as we were talking about this uh, with our staff. You can always walk it away from an argument, but you can't fully walk, uh, walk away. This should be walk. That's my fault. Typo from the pastor. But you can't fully walk away from a conflict. Uh, here's what that means conflict it's, it's like that thing in the corner of the room that nobody wants to do anything with but everybody knows it's there or, or it's like this it's like when you come home at the end of the day and you walk into your house and you just smell something you can admit it it's happened at your house too right like you just walk in and you're like oh oh somebody did something oh there's there there's something in the trash can that should not have been in the trash can and it's been there for days now and you know it and here's what's so interesting about this Ed usually when this happens at least in my house you know I will walk in or my wife will walk in and 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 this is what you say just do you smell that and what does the other person say yeah you know when I walked in I thought the same thing but it's still here like nobody you didn't do anything about it like why didn't you nobody wants to deal with it right Nobody wants to take that trash out. Nobody wants, to, nobody, nobody wants to take care of it. But everyone knows it's there. Everyone can smell it. Everyone has experienced it in their own way. But somebody has to be the one that says, it's time to take out the trash. This is what conflict is like when it's avoided in relationship. Everyone knows it's there. Even the people around the situation know it's there. They're maybe walking on eggshells like something's going to blow any moment now. 
But nobody wants to do anything about it. And Paul says you have to stop that. You have to put off falsehood. You have to stop pretending that everything is okay when it's not okay. You have to talk about it. You have to deal with it. You have to address the situation. You have to take what smells is rotting among you and remove it. And that's actually a good way of thinking about it. Because conflict is like an open wound that if it's not bandaged, guess what? It gets infected. What happens when anger and bitterness and hurt are allowed to fester in your life? It spoils. It gets rotten. And it it infects the soul. And when it's not dealt with, when uh, when we don't address it, It it is that thing that's just there, rotting away at at, at our insides and affecting our lives in ways that we can't even comprehend. That's why Paul says, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't let him in. Deal with this before, before it has the opportunity to infect and damage your soul. It's an open wound. It needs to be bandaged. And when we avoid conflict, it's really, really important, we prevent reconciliation. It cannot happen. It cannot happen until we deal with the conflict. Now, I know some of you are thinking, okay, but reconciliation is not going to happen. I mean, this person doesn't care. They're not going to say they're sorry. So, so here's what I encourage you. Don't think about the people who have hurt you. Think about the people who you may have unintentionally hurt. Think about it this way. Think about the person who you love, but maybe along the way you spoke a word that really hurt them. Do you want to know about that? Do you want to know? I mean, do you want them to continue to suffer in silence, or do you, do you want to know? Do you want the chance to say, I'm sorry? I bet you do. Do you, do you want them to trust you and to trust your love for them enough to confront your behavior boy i hope your answer is yes because it allows you the chance to not only change but to say i'm sorry and to move forward towards reconciliation when we do not address conflict we don't give others the opportunity to say they're sorry to reconcile a relationship and particularly in relationships where we are committed to one another we're we're taking something away from the other person the opportunity to have their own behavior addressed and to and to say in response i'm sorry i want to move i want to move past here's the second thing that paul says paul says speak truthfully you might write pursue honesty and there's a couple scriptures here i'm just going to read you a few verses from each of these two chapters that i think are important as we think about what does it mean to speak truthfully psalm 139 the very end of that beautiful psalm this is what david says david says to god search me god and know my thoughts test me and know my anxious thoughts See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way that leads to life everlasting. That's David's prayer to God. God, would you come into my heart and would you reveal to me maybe what I do not see there? Would you test me, point out to me 
anything within me that is offensive so that I can pursue the way that leads to life everlasting. And then from Luke 6, we've talked about this several times over the last few weeks. Jesus says this, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What comes out of your mouth is a reflection of what lives in your heart. What comes out of your mouth is a reflection of what is living in your heart. Very simple teaching, but go back to the prayer of David. What is David saying? David is saying, Lord, would you help me know what's in my heart? Would you test me? Would you point out to me what may be an offensive thing that is living in me so that I can find the way that leads to life everlasting? Jesus says, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, but what David says is, Lord, I need your help to understand what's in my heart. Have you ever heard yourself say something and only then recognized what was in your heart? You ever found yourself at the end of the day just blowing up in anger? And you think, wow, where did that come from? (laughs) I think I've had a bad day. (laughs) I think there's been some things that may have been building over the course of the last few hours. You, You hear something come out of your mouth, and it's only then that you realize wow, there's, there's something going on in my heart, and I, I wasn't even aware of it. So this idea of speaking truthfully, this isn't just being truthful with others. This is being truthful with yourself. This is, this is about the prayerful process of saying, God, I need your help to know what's within me. So that when the words come out of my mouth, they are words that are reflections of the good that you are planting and growing in me, and not... Not something that I may not be fully aware of because I haven't been prayerful about what's actually going on in my heart. What is anger? What is bitterness? What what is the desire for revenge? What is it doing? It poisons the soul. It poisons the heart. And sometimes we don't know it till the words come out of our mouth. And so the truthfulness of our speech must not only be with those who we may be in conflict with, but also with ourselves. What is it that is brewing within my life? And and then there is finally this standard that Paul leaves us with. He he says in verse 29, he says, only what is helpful. And I know what what some of you are thinking and what I think myself, you know, you sort of wish that there was like a footnote here. Like, okay, go to the back, there's more here. If, it does, if they say this, you can say whatever you want. Like just, if, if you go through all this process and they don't repent, man, just let them have it. Like wouldn't you love that footnote at the end of the Bible? Like if there was just this addendum, okay, here's the moment and now let it loose. You know, both barrels, just say whatever you want to say. There is no out clause here. There's no point where, where, where Paul says, okay, this calling to build Like, it only goes so far at this point, you do whatever you want. I mean, just go crazy on them. Still, he comes back to only what is helpful, regardless of how the person responds to you. That calling and that standard remains. Isn't that frustrating? Isn't that frustrating? There's not just that moment where where God can say, just, just do whatever you want. It reminds me of what Peter says. You remember when, when Jesus is talking about forgiveness? You remember that moment? And, and Peter's like, okay, this is a really good idea. We should forgive people. 
But let me go ahead and clarify something, Jesus. How many times are we supposed to do that? Like, how about seven? That sounds really generous. What do you think, Jesus? Seven? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Seventy-seven times. Oh, man, I got to keep count. Seventy-seven? That sounds crazy. What's the point, Jesus says? No, no, no. This is the way of life. This is the way of life. The calling is never nullified. You have to always, always, always keep building. Now, here's the question that I've been asked over the last few weeks. It's a great question. And many of you have wondered this question. The question is, will it work? Right? Like you sit down and you want some advice from somebody on how to deal with the situation. In the back of your mind, you're thinking that question, aren't you? Is this really going to work? Is this going to fix the relationship? Is this going to make reconciliation happen? Is this, like this is, this sounds, okay, this is a nice way to respond, Jesus, but is it going to work? Is it really going to work? Well, let's just, let's just think about what is perhaps the most extreme example that I've heard about over the last few weeks if, as people have come and talked to me about specific situations where they're thinking about, okay, how do I be a builder in this kind of situation? Where the person comes and says, you know, I kind of have this perception that my boss acts in a way, it's, it's just, it just kind of maybe like a selfish jerk. I looked up in the thesaurus for a word that was a little softer than jerk, but jerk really covers it. So, and, and as this person told me about their boss and the way their boss behaves and the way the boss responds to other employees and the way the boss responds when, when, when someone might share with them, hey, that might be hurtful, that word that you said or that decision that you made, you know, it may have had repercussions on your employees and, and, and they, yeah, this is, this is kind of how the boss responds. And, 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 and I said to this person, you know, it sounds like you know, you're telling me that you perceive your boss as a selfish jerk. Could it be that, in fact, they are a selfish jerk? It's okay to laugh. Like, that's the reality, right? I mean, isn't that the reality of a broken world? That there are some people who you share life with who are toxic people. And you may, you may work through the, the, the work of the scripture and, and respond to them and point out, hey, this, you know, what you said might be a little bit hurtful. And they may say, I don't care. And what may be more frustrating for you in your life is when you look at that relationship, you look at that person, you think, no one's stopping them. I mean, they're, they're like a, they're a truck that just runs over everybody and nobody, see, nobody stops and it's at that moment where you'll be tempted to think, well, this didn't work. This, this way of living, it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't change behavior. Here's, here's the truth. Reconciliation does not always happen because some people are not interested in it. They have sold themselves out to the way of the selfish jerk. So what will you do? How will you respond? It's that moment where we're tempted to think, well, this didn't work. And it's that moment where we are all tempted to play the losing game. See, this is the conviction. This is the bottom line of everything that we've talked about for four weeks. That those who tear down always lose. And those who build always win. Those who tear down, they always lose. And those who build are the ones that always win. When you choose to tear others down, when you choose to speak that careless word, when you choose to respond in anger, you always lose. You will always lose. 
But when you choose to build, and when you commit yourself to this way of life, and when you say, the only thing that I will speak is what is helpful, and I will not give in to the temptation to play the losing game, you always win. Maybe not in the short term. Maybe you don't get that promotion. Maybe you don't get that raise. Maybe you don't get that thing that you may be hoping that you'll get. And maybe, maybe you will feel a, a bit trampled on at times. Maybe that's okay. Because in the end, you win. Sometimes we forget that Jesus was crucified. Like that's where, that's where, that's where he went, right? But we believe in the end he won. And we, as people of faith, guess what? You are a peculiar people. You're weird. Do you know that? Do you know that? Like, if you really want to do this, if you really want to live this life, you're weird. There'll be people who won't get it. And they won't respond the way that you want them to. But this is the conviction of faith. Those who tear down always, always lose. Those who build always win. So here's the challenge, brothers and sisters. Don't play the losing game. Don't give in. Don't give in. Be a builder. Be a builder. Be a builder who lives according to this conviction that when you build, when you build, you will always, always win. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we confess to you that at times you ask us to do things that we do not want to do. We hear your call. We know the responsibility that we bear. But we sometimes, Lord, buy into the lie that anger and hurt tells us. And we find ourselves losing again. Lord, help us to see, help us to understand what we give up when we choose to play that losing game. Help us, Lord, to know with, with full understanding, Lord, what is really at stake in the words that we speak into the lives of others and the way in which we respond to the great challenges that life always brings our way. It is so easy, Lord. It is so easy to want to give in. But help us, Lord, to be the faithful who will speak words that build and to know that when we do, Lord, we always, 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 always win. I pray, Lord, that you would send within us uh, your spirit of encouragement. May we know that today in a fresh way, particularly, Lord, for those here in this place who, when they, they hear this message, they think about the challenge that lies ahead. Maybe it's the challenge of reconciliation, Lord. Maybe it's the challenge of asking for forgiveness. May they know, Lord, that regardless of what happens in response to that, may they know your pride and joy in them, in their faithfulness, 
to follow you wherever you will lead. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.